Hey, Mike. <laughs> I mean, how am I, how am I supposed to? I don't know. You're to supposed that. to say something back to that. All right, You're sorry. Just, let's that's, try, that's let's a, try again. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna pretend that we're professionals and that we do things like this uh, professionally. So go ahead. Hey, Mike. Yes, Joe. Spring training is rolling, so it's time to think fantasy baseball. Yahoo has the best experience in the game, and you don't have to take our word for it because the Fantasy Sports Trade Association has rated Yahoo Fantasy Baseball number one five years in a row. If you want the stats and analysis to run your team like a big league GM, or you want to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone, download the Yahoo Fantasy app today or sign up at yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. Can I ask a question? Does the Fantasy Sports Trade Association president or, or director, <laughs> is that a presidential appointment? Do you need Senate confirmation for that? Yes. Actually, uh, the I think the first one did not pass. Yeah, Senate. that's right. The Senate, the Senate voted down the for President Trump's first appointee nomination for the Fantasy Sports Trade Association well, director. Think about how much power the Fantasy Sports Trade Association has in America. Well, it's, you know, every time I see a statistic <laughs> about fantasy sports, it's always like more than 200 trillion people play fantasy sports in the world today. It's always like the it's a number that's higher than the number of people on Earth. <laughs> so which only just which only strengthens the association, by the way. Good work by the association lately. I feel like the the fantasy sports trade association lately has been doing good work. They had some problems, right? They had some. It was a, it was like a down. There was like a downturn. It was. It was. The Obama then, years were terrible yeah. for the fantasy sports <laughs> trade association. But now they yeah they've really cleaned up their act. They're back in the black uh, uh, budget wise, and they really they're they're really making some great changes over there. <laughs> Yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thanks for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You are so welcome. You know, missed you last week. Missed you last week. I know. Yeah. I was you very know, sad was... to know that there was a, a podcast happening without me. I was, it felt I, very weird. I know. It really, it really was weird. I don't know if you know this, but uh, last week we actually had a special draft. Did you Did you hear about this? I told you about this. You did, and I had I I. Was I went to listen to it because I was very curious. The draft was characters from The Good Place, the show. That's I right. With with, on, with, right? With, the, with the with the incredibly delightful Mallory Rubin, who was uh, right. And was, I went was, to listen to it, and I decided that I didn't want to because I did. It was gonna <laughs> like I was gonna feel too weird about listening to you and Mallory choose talk about the characters, and uh, and, and it was like it, something about it just made me feel scared and weird. So I didn't listen to it. Well, you were first of all. <laughs> We don't listen to the podcast, man. I mean, let's no. face it. I think we're smarter than that. But secondly, more importantly, Mallory, by the way, was she crushed me in that draft. Look, I'm just telling you really? that right in front. You did. It was here's here's the deal, and 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 I want to I want to explain this well because Mallory, who is wonderful for the Ringer, does the binge mode uh, podcast. She was my uh, editor at Sports Illustrated for a while. She's just 
wonderful. She's way smarter than I am. So I, I don't know if I know if I mentioned this to you, but I'm I'm writing this book um, on on Houdini, and it's uh, huh. really exciting. Yeah, I know it's weird, interesting. I don't think that's come up before. Yeah, no, it hasn't. So uh, so you know, people should go pre order it. It's it's by the way, it's on Amazon. You can pre order it. Doesn't have a title yet, so it's just Untitled Houdini Project. I'm sure. which I'm thinking about using as my actual name for the book, Untitled Houdini Project. I think catchy. that would be it is. It is catchy. So um, as part of that, I, I've been I've I've been obviously studying magic and 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 looking at magic. And there's this great magician named Eric Mead uh, who went on. The Penn and Teller show Fool Me, which is, you know, the idea is obviously for them to do some sort of magic trick that fools uh, Penn and Teller. And right up front, he said, listen, I'm not going to fool you. You guys know how this trick works. But there's going to be like 10% of this trick that you're not going to understand. Like there's going to be, you guys know how sleight of hand works and how it was a pretty simple coin trick that he did. And he said, you guys will know generally how this works. But what I'm going to fool you is I'm going to fool you very specifically. And it completely threw those guys. And they they said they were fooled because even though they knew how to do the trick, they didn't know down to the last thing exactly what Mallory did to me on this on this pod. Because I thought we were just drafting our favorite characters from The Good Place. And right beforehand, she totally changed the rules on me so that we were drafting like good place characters as they would be on a baseball team, essentially, like who would be the best baseball. Oh Oh my gosh. And it totally threw me. And, and she just, she just lit me up. I mean, I, it is, it is unanimous that she destroyed me in, in that draft because I'm like taking like, Oh, Michael, you know, Michael's a great character, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh my God, he'd be a terrible manager and a terrible teammate and a terror. And I'm like, yeah, I guess he would. I, I mean, there was I didn't even have answers for what she was saying. It was he's just way smarter than me. That's all. Interesting. So, who were the number? Just yeah. give me the number one overall choices given that new parameter. Jan- Janet was the number one overall okay. because she basically has all the knowledge in the world. And of course, if I had known, that's why we were going to. Uh, that's how we were going to draft. I, there are plenty of problems with Janet, obviously, as a baseball uh, player. Um, there are lots of problems with her, uh, including, I, I think, her general lack of direction. But, but I, I was, I had nothing to say because I just, you know, I thought we were just drafting characters. Basically, what I'm saying is, you and I do this right. We have no structure, <laughs> no idea what we're doing, no clue. There's no point to it. And suddenly, Mallory came in and like brought like a whole different structure, and I just, I was lost. She's, you're she's saying that she back. tripped you up. By adding the concept of meaning to the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's not fair. It's It's absolutely not fair fair for her to do that to you. (laughs) Mallory, I'm never forgiving you for it. Never. No. She was great. She was awesome. All right. Three things I want to hit. We have a mini podcast here. uh, There are three points I feel like we have to hit this week on the podcast. The first point is, yes, the first point is obvious. And you knew this is coming. You know, this is coming. What are we going to do about the Yankees? What are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We have one option. We have exactly one option. <laughs> the one option is to hope that like the 18 and 0 Patriots and the 73 and 9 Warriors, they go down in history as a team that like is a is a, a famous failure, a famous postseason failure. Like they're going to win, they're going to break the Mariners record of 116 wins, 
right? They're going to win like 122 regular season games. And that's by that's when they're resting everybody on starting on August 1st because they don't they're they've already they have a 41 game lead in the East and they don't need to play anybody. Right. They're still going right. to win 122 games. So the only hope we have is that they become the baseball equivalent of the uh, I mean, the Mariners, the, the uh, 116 win, 114 win, whatever it was, Mariners are already kind of this. But yeah. we're going to have to hope that they get they are the baseball. The Mariners, that Mariners team didn't even make the World Series. So what we have to hope is that the Yankees make the World Series and lose to the Dodgers in seven games or lose to the, you know, whoever Cardinals in six games and go down in history as like, oh, the greatest regular season team that felt that stumbled right at the end. That's our only hope, I think. I I, I'm with you. I think you're right. Look, I've looked at this team. I, I actually, uh, as people were here, I got to uh, talk with uh, with uh, uh, Jim Ducat. Uh, we talked some baseball. We did talk some Yankees. And I, you know, said in there, you know, we're trying to find any flaws with any of these teams. Frankly, I mean, well, where where are the flaws with Houston? Where are the flaws with uh, the Dodgers? I mean, there there are some pretty flawless teams out there. But I was trying to point out that look, maybe the Yankees bull, you know, rotation. Uh, sort of is it's a little old. Maybe it kind of falls apart a little bit. Problem is, what difference does it make with that bullpen? They could they could throw. I've I've re, I've changed my view on on like if you were their fifth starter, I've changed my view because I think they bring somebody in pretty quickly, right? They would just bring in like one of their eight unbelievable relievers, and they'd win like. 12 of your starts that like they yeah. like you would put them you, like you would you'd load the bases up or something and then they'd be like all right just bring in a reliever now and and they they would win that game because the reliever would get out of the jam and then they they would have eight innings of of shutout baseball because that bullpen is ridiculous it's ridiculous how good that bullpen is yeah yes it is and they <laughs> and, the, and they have um you know but the obviously the middle of that lineup being adding Stanton to it is all it's Sanchez Stanton judge is ridiculous already. And now Miguel Andahar, who is like the, <laughs> the one flaw in their plan was they were going to play a couple of rookies. It looked like they were going to start a couple of rookies. Right. And one of them is Miguel Andahar. And it was like, is he ready? Is that going to be a thing? He's like leads the minors in home runs <laughs> or leads the spring training uh, league in home runs. And it look he looks like a world beater. He had a walk off Homer in like his third ever spring training game. So it's like, well, okay, that's, you know, that's looking like it's not maybe a weakness. And it's just absurd. It's absurd. They're going to hit 300 home runs. They're going to score 1,100 runs in the season. CC Sabathia is going to somehow, you know, he had more giraffe blood in, uh, injected into his neck, and he's going to somehow win 17 games while never throwing more than 87 miles an hour. And uh, they're going to, I mean, they, they I, it would be one of the great shocks of all time if they didn't, win the East, and if we weren't looking at a kind of epic Warriors-Rockets-type, uh, you know, conference championship-type ALCS, don't you think? I think so, although I will say this, and I said this to to Jim, um, as people will hear, I, I, it is easy to forget, and I know you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, be on this ship because you're, you're too close, you're too close to it. It's easy to forget how good that Red Sox team is. It's really, really easy to forget because a lot of guys had sort of down years so you still you don't think of Mookie Betts quite the same way as you did you know a year ago or maybe Jackie Bradley Jr. Benintendi was you know good as a rookie but but you know going into last year you thought maybe he could be great 
all those guys are great. I, I think all those guys are rebound. They've got JD Martinez now to 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 you know be the middle of that lineup. Uh, their rotation is still better than the Yankee rotation, I think. Um, so I, yeah, look, I, I'm just hoping against hope here, but but I I kind of think the Red Sox might be a little under the radar. That 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 is a pretty good baseball team. Yes, of course, they're a very good team, and in any sane, rational universe. The Red Sox are looking like, a, you know, they're going to win 95 games and win the AL East or something. But unfortunately, we don't live in a sane, rational universe. We live in a universe where Giancarlo Stanton was traded to the Yankees uh, for nothing, basically. And, and Aaron, by, by one of their greatest players that's of all by, time. That's right, where a Yankee spy infiltrated the Marlins, just like disbanded the team and sold its best player to the Yankees. And now they have Gary Sanchez... Um, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, who are oh. arguably the three best power hitters in the American League, are going to hit two, three, four, or three, four, five <laughs> for the same team. It's an all-star team. Their lineup is an all-star team. It's absurd. It's so I, it's I mean, weird. I know you're you're not wrong. A bunch of Reds. Uh, I I realized toward the end of last season that every single member, literally every starter on the Red Sox, had a lower adjusted OPS than he had the year before. Every single one. Yeah. And so the, like that's a fluke a little bit, and it's probably due to some, you know, a little bit of regression here and there for the young guys and maybe a little bit of injury luck, bad luck for the older guys or whatever. And so, you know, you would assume that lineup is going to bounce back the other way a little bit this year, especially with J.D. Martinez now hitting fourth and DHing that strengthens their lineup, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. The Yankees are ridiculous. Their lineup is their lineup is not just an all-star team, but like a potential all-decade all-star team. It's and so, yeah. like, I, you know, it doesn't really matter what the other teams are. If the Yankees don't suffer really bad injury luck, they're going to just be um, – they're going to run away with that division. Jim Duquette offered a very interesting – maybe crazy, but very interesting uh, thought. He believes, tell me what you think on this. He believes that um, J.D. Martinez will have a better year than Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He he just brought it up. Look, look, the, the thing with Stanton always is he could get hurt because he has. He has a history of injuries. It is a new league, right? It is. We We were discussing... What happens the first time that that he's called a bust on the back page of the New York Post, right? So, I mean, there are things that I guess could make that likely or possible. I I told him I didn't think that was true. I didn't think that was going to happen. But I guess there's an argument. I guess there's an argument to be made that it could I mean, happen. look, JD Martinez, I believe, is older than Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton has many more years of power hitting oh, prowess yeah. oh, we're only talking prowess than Jenny Martinez. Yeah. Like, we're only talking one year. Yeah. We're not talking yeah, about the I length mean, of their contract. Right. And uh, so, uh, yes, of course it's possible. It's also possible that Mookie Betts has more home runs than Giancarlo Stanton. It's possible that Sandy Leon has more home runs than Gary Sanchez. <laughs> if Gary Sanchez gets hurt, like these things are all possible. They're all in the realm of like theoretical <laughs> physics abstractions. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. I mean, I would love it to happen. Maybe it will. I mean, look, J.D. Martinez really it like destroyed the ball. He was uh, last year. He was also playing in Arizona, which is one of the best hitters ballparks. Sure. As you have pointed out, it's better than Coors Field in terms of a hitters ballpark. Fenway suppresses offense like it. It, uh, it it's, it's bad for home runs. So the the chances of that happening, I think, are pretty slim. But uh, I boy, I hope he's right. 
It's good for average. It's good for average and good for doubles. It's just good for it's doubles. Not, yes. Yeah. But, not a good yeah. home run park. Not a yeah. not a good home run. Well, I look. I here's here's to me. They. I think we're just conceding this. Look, the Yankees. They're ridiculous. They're just absolutely ridiculous. And they they've done something else that I, that I just want to talk about for one second here. I love Giancarlo Stanton. Like I love the guy as a player. I've loved watching him. I love, you know, I root I was so sad every time he get hurt because I always thought that he had like last year, I thought he had that in him, you know, a while ago. And he's one of the coolest guys in the game. He's he's fun. And now I don't have that anymore. The Yankees took that away from me. Is that what do you do when like one of your like cool favorite players becomes a Yankee. What do you do? I don't know. I mean, I know that some people have the same issue with like Kevin Durant, right? When Durant went to the Warriors, I don't personally. I love I Durant. don't either. Right? I loved him on Oklahoma City and I love him on Golden State and I love Golden State and I want them to be like the best <laughs> basketball team ever. It's, I have no, I don't have the same kind of hatred for that franchise, that super right. team. But I, I, I mean, I mean, I think sports fandom is, is constantly making completely arbitrary decisions about who you root for and when and right. why and how and whether it's the team or whether it's the guy or whether it's the concept of of winning in general that you that you prefer on one team or the other it's just absurd it's like we're constantly making these absolutely indefensible decisions to kind of defend people like you know a guy that you hate on another team gets traded to your team and suddenly you love him it's the oldest story in the world i look i as i get older i feel like you and i have talked about this as i get older I, I find my irrationality for sports arguments and sports tribalism fading. Like I, right. you know, I am a Celtics fan. I root really hard for the Celtics, especially in my recent renaissance with the NBA. But I can't get angry at the Raptors or something. Like, come on, what are we doing? Like, I don't get angry at the Warriors. I can't even get angry at the Rockets. I don't. I don't have the same fervor that I had for the tribalistic nature of sports battles that I used to. The, the one exception really is the Yankees. Like right. I really, they, they were, they were so, they caused me so much pain and misery. There'll just never be a time when I can think of them positively in any way. So in this case, for me, my irrational sports tribalism makes it impossible for me to root for Giancarlo Stanton. Even when I recognize how awesome he is, even when I can recognize how, you know, the, cl- I'll tell you the closest I ever got was Mariano. Like I, yeah. I had yeah. genuine affection for Mariano because I felt like he was this weird five legged chair that someone invented that had, that did this <laughs> thing that no one else ever did. And he just found his true calling in life. And his true calling in life was to come in the ninth inning of baseball games and throw a cutter. And he did it so well for so long and so perfectly and shattered so many bats that it was hard not to just understand that we were seeing something we would never see again. Uh, but uh, that's the closest I've ever gotten. That like uh, you know, it's not going to help. Like Stanton's not going to do it. I'm not going. No. I'm not going to suddenly. No. I'm not going to suddenly be like, you know what? I kind of like that guy. Forget it. Like he, he's. They're all dead to me. What happens if Jose Altuve ends up on the Yankees? I'll bite your tongue. How could you even <laughs> say that out loud? Now it's going to happen. It's not. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. It's not. It's not. It's not. I'm just saying it's not. All right. Um, okay. Issue two. Issue two. Let's move on to our second issue. Arizona having bullpen cars, having bullpen cars in 2018. I think it's the greatest thing of all time. Your thoughts. I have only one hope, which is that the other teams all jealously follow suit <laughs> immediately. Like, uh, 
immediately. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. What is the holdup here, people? I mean, here, here's the other thing, by the way, and I don't understand this. We, I feel like, again, we've talked about this before, but in the pace of play stuff, there is a massive, there's two minutes um, times however many relief pitchers come into a game that you could remove from the game. And that's right. why do they warm up when they get into the when they get into the game? Why do they throw more warm up pitches? Why do you not know. come into the game? Maybe throw one if you want to, but why do they throw? Why do they get eight warm up pitches from the mound? It's ridiculous. They like they there's always they stall often. They stall if there's a rally burgeoning in order to get the guy to have more warm up pitches in the bullpen. Then it's like, and it's well, we got to we got to stall, we got to stall, we got to stall, and then they come in and then they throw eight more warm up pitches. It's ridiculous. Remove yeah, the it's, it's remove ridiculous. the eight warm up pitches. Come into the game, throw one pitch from the mound just to get your bearings and start the game. That's that's five or six minutes you would save over the course of any game just by doing that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and bring them in in bullpen cars. I mean, this, that's this, right. I mean, come that's, on, let's go. I mean, that's that's the other side of it. Is like you get that's. I mean, that's probably only. 20 seconds or 30 seconds you're saving or maybe over the course of the game depending on how many pitchers get in the game it's a couple minutes but hey that's a couple minutes right (laughs) 15 seconds here 15 seconds there it adds up like especially in a game when there's 11 or 12 relief pitchers get them in there man buzz them through Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Soup up those cars and get them going. All right. That's I I all right. So we're we're on the same page in issue two. Issue three brought up uh uh basically by Brandon, by by podcast uh, semi-regular Brandon McCarthy. Um how bad a song is John Fogarty center field? I have a problem being on his side <laughs> here. Because I know okay, there's so many things wrong with the song. Like, There's not, so many things. Right? But when my son was, my jerk son who betrayed me, became a Dodger <laughs> fan, was like six or seven and was really getting into baseball, I played that song for him. And his he was like, it was you could see in his little brain, it was like, wait, there is there is music about baseball? Like, <laughs> and then we've like, over the years, we've like learned about, you know, Ty Cobb and Joe DiMaggio and the Say Hey Kid and whatever. And he's like put the pieces of the lyrics together in his little brain. And like, I, I can't, I can't quite completely go over to the side of that song stinks because of that, for that reason. But like in general, in general, yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) No, it's, it stinks. It's like, look, it's hard. It's hard to be on Brandon's side for anything musical. Right. I mean, at this point, we all, mean, know we all where know where we all remember what happened. We don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to go we into it. We don't need to go back. We don't need to revisit that. But we all know. And um, but I I don't know. He's right. Look, I don't have. Fortunately, I don't have the personal uh, family attachment to that song. It's 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 really dreadful. It's just a. It's dreadful. It's it's you know. And and obviously John Fogerty. I mean a a you would say a Hall of Fame caliber performer right john fogarty right and the, the, I mean, he's not he's not my not in my personal hall of I'm fame i'm not a no, huge but, fan no but i'm saying yeah. in the rock and roll hall of fame has a long where, a long proud career yes yeah right exactly so you know that's fine but that song oh it's just it's terrible and the lyrics are terrible and it's just so here, here's a, tell me if you think i'm right the two worst the two biggest problems of it are these the lyrics he does two like almost back to back terrible lyrical mistakes one of them is 
I took some lumps when the mighty K struck out. Now I can't tell whether he's saying mighty K or case, like mighty case. I think he's saying struck case. Out. I think he's doing case, right? It's, I think he's it's doing a, case. It's, okay, so that that's that's terrible because no one has ever referred to Casey the Bat as Case, right? That's not, he's not. You're not like best friends with the fictional character Casey the Bat to the point where you can call him Case. That's ridiculous. And then yes. one second later, he says, so say, hey, Willie, tell the cob. Nobody. What is that? <laughs> tell the cob. He's not the that's cob. And it's like like the kid or the babe or whatever. It's like t- like that's that's not a thing. Tell the cob. <laughs> it's so weird. And it then is weird. At, at the end, if it's listen. So here's the full verse. I spent some time in the Mudville nine watching it from the bench. You know, I took some lumps when the mighty case struck out. So that's weird. <laughs> so say, hey, Willie, tell the cob and Joe DiMaggio, don't say it ain't so. You know the time is now. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> don't say it ain't so. That, that, don't it, say he, it he, ain't he's, so. He's just adding, and then you know the time is now. What is I mean, I guess that means like I'm ready to play because right. he was on the bench, but he was Blinked he's on the bench for a fictional team called the Mudville Nine. Okay, he, you have to ask me to tell Willie Mays and the Cobb and Joe DiMaggio, three players from three completely different eras of the game, by the way, that the time is what you want to get in. So you you want to in for the Mudville Nine, I guess, but the game is over because Casey struck out. It's just, it's a it's a terrible verse. It doesn't make any it's, sense. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. For, and, and okay, there are other problems with the song beyond even, I, I don't even know what any of the whole song means. Uh, one other thing that, you know, Linda Holmes brought up somewhat on, on Twitter is this, this guy's kind of arrogant that he thinks he can, like, they have a center fielder, right? So clearly he wants to replace the center fielder. He's bringing nothing to the game. He's got a beat up glove and a homemade bats, really all he's got and a brand new pair of shoes. Actually, I should say that he does right. have the, the brand new pair of shoes, I, which I have no idea why I didn't replace the homemade bat with a real bat. <laughs> also, the shoes <laughs> are brand, it's not a good idea to wear brand new shoes in a game. You're just <laughs> No, you're no. In, fa- in fact, I think that's how shoeless Joe ended up being shoeless was that he, he like <laughs> wore a brand new pair of shoes and they hurt his feet, you know? So yeah, so that none of that makes sense, but they have a center fielder. And he's like telling the coach, like putting me in like, that if you're coaching your son's little league team, you want some kid telling you, hey, coach, put me in center. I'm in center. That that kid would be super annoying. I mean, it's a terrible song. It really is a terrible <laughs> song. And I'll, I'll say this from a similar era of music history, maybe a little bit a couple of years later, the song Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Oh. which is a, is a song I really love. I have a lot of affection for it. But also remember the video was, there were two videos for that song. And one of them was just baseball bloopers. Well, that's right. that's yeah. right. And, and it's not in any way a baseball song, but there was just this video for Walk of Life that was just baseball bloopers. And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. I like this song. <laughs> and also the whole video is just baseball clips and bloopers. It was wonderful. I consider that to be in my head a baseball song because of the video that just showed like people bonking into each other in the outfield and stuff. That's funny because I really, I'm not a fan of the song. It's fine. I'm not, I don't hate the song or whatever, but I'm not a fan of the, of the song. It's not one of my favorite Dire Straits songs, but I love that. They just said, we're not even, the song is about whatever. We're going to show you baseball blooper for the, for the video. And that, 
that makes the song way better. Like that, right. like the fact that they were just like, yeah, we're not going to, I've always like been confused and you've actually done uh, an amazing uh, music video, but I've always been confused by the whole music video concept, right? I mean, like these are songs. So what do you do? Do you go literal? Like what the song is specifically about, which really looks stupid uh, sometimes uh, if, you know, because a lot of these songs are, don't have a whole lot of depth uh, or do you just go completely random? Like just have, just, you know, basically do, you know, like, you know, I'm burning for you and just light a car on fire, which is basically <laughs> what that video was. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that, but to me, the right answer is put baseball bloopers, whatever That's your right. song is, just yes, make it a baseball all, blooper video. I, I think all, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, take this away. All music videos should just be baseball bloopers. Exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. All right. I am going to go now and interview uh, Jim Duquette, and then we'll be back in a minute. Hey, so this week we have a uh, an awesome guest, awesome baseball conversation with Jim Duquette. Jim, first of all, thank you. Thanks for joining. How are you, Joe? Your, your travels have been going well. You've been busy like I have, so that's always good. We, you know what? I mean, don't you love this time of year? I mean, this is really, yeah, I love this. This is, I just got back from Arizona. You just got back from Florida. We're doing the little swap next week where you'll be in Arizona. I'll be in Florida. Uh, but don't you love, I mean, isn't this great? Everybody's happy. Everybody's optimistic. You're, you're going to every camp you go into, you hear, uh, or how everything's going to work out. I, I don't know. I just love this time of year. It's the best time. You know, everyone's up, like you said, they're optimistic, they're positive, they're in a good mood, the weather's nice, out, uh, uh, notwithstanding the weather up in the uh, up in the northeast, of course, but uh, it's been, yeah, it, it, you're right. It, and, you know, you, I mean, you sense it too when, when you're going around, you're talking to players, front office guys, managers, um, everyone's kind of upbeat, you know, with the, for the most part, obviously they want to talk about, you know, staying healthy and, and, you know, injury free if they can do that or at least having the depth. But yeah, there's, a, there's, you know, and then reality sets in, right. You have these great springs and all of a sudden, okay, now, you know, let's break it down and see if you really have a chance to get to the postseason. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy because everybody knows, not everybody. I mean, there's some clubs obviously that are, that they're going to live up to expectations and all that, but most clubs know that this is somewhat unrealistically optimistic, right? Everybody's, you know, nobody's hurt. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's feeling good. Uh, everybody's going to have their best year ever. Everybody's in the best shape of their life, all of those things. Uh, and then obviously opening day happens and by mid May, everybody realizes, wow, this is, this is a lot tougher than, than it seemed, you know, back in, in March. That said, it's it's really I I don't think any other sport has this uh, where you know it's it's the weather's perfect everything feels great and you can really get pulled into this idea that hey this might be our year even 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 if people are not expecting anything you know I was at Kansas City camp obviously everybody's talking about uh, Kansas City uh, really struggling for the next few years as they sort of go into the rebuilding. But that's not how they feel, you know. I I I just like being around that as a as a you know as a GM and as somebody now as a, an analyst of the game. Um, you know, did, did did you view that? I mean, when you were when you were a GM, did you sort of fall into the man? This is this is going to be a better year than I thought. Well, yeah, I, I think it's natural. You know, if you're if if 
you're you're upbeat kind of positive thinking type of person, which a lot of us are. Um, you know, they, sure. I think that 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 does play into it. You know, and, and you know, you're you're. I mean, it, sometimes it it does color your your objective evaluation. I did run into that, you know, a fair amount. You know, it's kind of a fine line because you know, if you want to create a positive environment, you want to create a positive kind of learning situation for your young players to develop. Like all of these things that you want to have kind of a, on a positive, te- you know, yeah, I, I used to make the, uh, the comparison to school, a school, to, you know, to your minor leagues and your major leagues, especially if you have a young team, you're trying to learn what's the best way to learn in an environment. It's a positive, upbeat environment. So, so you, you want to marry that with what's realistic, you know, and right. that's the hard part about being in front office is you got to wear come up kind of two different hats, you know, that realistic uh, evaluation comes into it. And do you really have a shot at it? Um, you know, I, listen, I fall into it now, even, you know, I go into a camp for a day or two and you feel the positive vibes and you go in with one idea, Jesus team isn't going to be very good or they're going to struggle. You go in there, you get that feeling. You're like, man, you know what? They're going to be better than I thought, you know, and, and <laughs> just kind of, that's just the way it goes at this time of the year. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I really think it's great. So uh, there are a few things obviously I want to talk about. I want to talk about this crazy off season, a few of the a few of the big moves. But I guess first I want to know. So you were in Florida. Yes. Uh, what did you run across? What did you run across your your few days in Florida? Uh, what what did what did you see? What did you feel out there? So primarily, I was on the West Coast there. So so really, you know, Tigers are more middle state, but it was Tigers all the way over to the West Coast. Of, you know, Jays and Phillies all the way down to the Fort Myers. And then I, sure. I hooked over to the Mets for a day. So I think, I think a couple of things stand out. I think, uh, you know, some of those te- teams that are uh, quote rebuilding, like the Phillies, as an example, that'd be a pretty good team. They're, you know, relative, you know, compared to what we've seen in the past there, there, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel for me. That's, that's a positive for the game. It's positive for Phillies fans because they've gone through the struggles. Right. So sure. That stood out to me. Uh, you know, Detroit, for me, you know, even though they're having success this spring with the wins, a few more than they thought, that's, that's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a lean year, I think, for them. Oh, yeah. Uh, for sure. But also, I'll tell you, the team that really stood out. So Boston, Boston with J.D. Martinez, all that stuff, that kind of came to a head. They, they got through that. Now he's in camp. How good they are and how good Minnesota Twins, the Twins camp. Joe, I don't know if you get a chance to go in there when, next week. That is a fun team to watch um, and just, just talk to. Because even with Santana being out early on and early, you know, uncertainty with Miguel Sano, it is a really young and talented crew. Yeah, I I love that that Twins team. I love uh, the energy. Look, I mean, I really love. It starts with 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 Byron Buxton. I mean, how how can you not get excited every time you watch? You know him play. I mean, he, he. We've been waiting. You know, the, the, he was he was the number one prospect in baseball. What three years ago and two years ago and right. last year. I mean, he's it's it's taken a little while for him to to get there. But uh, defensively, he's he's insanely great already. Uh, last two months of last year, he he really started to hit. I mean, well, from your from your perspective yeah. and your experience. You know they've got other players. I mean, look, Dozier is is continues to be unbelievably underrated. Uh, you know, Sano when he's healthy is is just a, a masher. Uh, the rotation is is you know when they get Santana back, pretty interesting. You got to love uh, Barrios. I mean, I think he's an exciting young player and on. But 
one guy that's as dynamic as Buxton, how much can that do for a team, just having one guy like that? Well, yeah, it, it's a huge lift. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you can't make the comparison to a trout because, you know, that's just a different level. But when right. you have an impactful guy like like Buxton, and, you know, the fascinating thing with Buxton that I learned being there in camp is, you know, he wants to be great and he wants to give back be off the field too. So, so th- those are generally my experiences of guys like that, 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 you know, they understand the the magnitude of their role and their position in the game that they tend to end up being really, uh, really good major leaguers, you know, and longevity kind of plays for them. And I, you know, he, he said his, his goal among other things, okay, I want to get a, a goal, another goal. I want to have a platinum glove, right. In center right. field, that's some pretty good competition, you know, in the American league, obviously with, uh, with Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, but in Trout and anyone else who's in that mix, but sure. the other the other aspect that I thought was um was was fascinating. He said, you know, all those accolades are great, but I'd love to be the Roberto Clemente Award winner for my team. Wow. I, like like that kind of stuff. I love those deep stories that you can get into in the spring training. The kind of uh, you know the off the field conversation that you end up having. So I, I think he's poised to have a big year. He's kind of had two last two years where he pieced together half seasons of really good ball. But I thought his second half last year was so exceptional. I'm excited to to look at it this year. It really is exciting. And, you know, that's that was, a, I have to say, when I was in, in Arizona, the, the big theme, I really visited the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Royals and, and Padres and a few other teams that I was bouncing around. But that theme, in, in some ways, it's so easy uh, to lose. In so, some ways, it's so easy, I guess, to to overstate as well. But character, character, characters. Everybody was talking about that, is talking about that in Arizona. Obviously, the Royals, that's how they yeah. build the organization. But, you know, that's very – it's very, very important to Theo Epstein and and, and very important to uh, to uh, Andrew and Farhan in, in, uh, in, with the Dodgers is, you know – character and having a, a clubhouse that 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 feeds off each other but but the one thing that they said and this is what what made your buxton thought made me made me think about is if your best player is also your best character guy is also the one that is really looking out for for the fans for you know for off the field for all of those things that that you want in a player you have a real chance. You have a real shot. Yeah. And and was that your experience as well? I mean, yeah. as you as you've gone through, is, is how important is that? You know, that's a great that's a great observation. I, I no, I, listen. I, you know, to to a fault, I might have over I might have overemphasized character in the clubhouse. You know, you, you can't have a, a clubhouse that's that in my mind. It's like okay, it's that you can't sacrifice one for the other. So you right. can't have a, guy, a a clubhouse full of great great guys and they don't have the talent. You got to have both, right? And if you do, like you said have the talented, most talented guys. Like with the Cubs, you know, for me, the guy that stands out is Anthony Rizzo, right? Yes. Um, and, and, you know, there's, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of those guys around the game, like Trout is one of those for me. Like if you have that guy, you can build around those. They, they make up uh, the the character of your clubhouse when, specifically when things go astray a little bit during the course of the season. You get a four or five or six game losing streak. Sometimes your team goes through some doubts. And and if your best player is not panicking and he understands things and you know they they take the clubhouse and the team takes on that personality of your of your sometimes it's the most outspoken guy that doesn't mean he's the best character guy right. he's the most 
or or the guy who's your best player that is the best character. That's what you're hoping for. If you can find that guy, then you then you do everything you can to keep him in your in a uniform and, and sign him to a long term deal. Right. And and look, I mean, character could be a lot of different things. I mean, one thing that 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 Farhan Zaidi, the uh, GM of the Dodgers, was talking about. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is the hardest working guy on that team. Just the hardest working guy. So, you know, what what does that say? If you're a young pitcher who comes to the Dodgers and you want to make the team and you want to, and you look and you're getting outworked by Clayton Kershaw, I mean, that's good. He doesn't have to say anything. I mean, he probably will, but he doesn't have to say anything. You could, you have to be able to go back to your, you know, your apartment or wherever you're staying during spring training, look in the mirror and go, all right, am I going to let Clayton Kershaw outwork me? I mean, that's that that tells me I don't want this badly enough, right? I mean, that's that's just I think that's such an important part of the game. And again, I think in in a lot of ways, your point is one hundred percent right. In a lot of ways, uh, it's easy to overrate that in the sense of you want guys who are great character guys who you're not sure where their talent level is or whether or not they can maintain, you know, obviously having a veteran player who's in, who's declining, how much that character still can, can impact your team. But it is easy to go the other way too, where you just forget, Hey, I just want, I want the guys that can, that can perform. And you, you do forget mm-hmm. that these guys feed off each other very much. So. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and listen, there's so much negativity around the game. That's why if, if you have that, that leader, who's, you know, positive, you know, and creates that, that that clubhouse chemistry that we're that we're talking about. It's hard to measure it, but you know it when you have it. You know, you know, we get a chance. You and I get to go around to different clubhouses now. That's the one thing I value in this role now that was different in the front office was I get to see like clubhouses of almost every team, thirty teams, and you see and you feel differences. You know, different. You have a different leadership group. You have different. You have different uh, guys that are outspoken. You know, and 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 it, you know, you you get the feel of what a, you know, a winning team that clubhouse is like, and teams that are losing. You have a feel for that too. So it's it to me, it's it's been a you know, it's one of those fascinating things that like we've talked about it doesn't get measured a lot. You know, the analytics doesn't it doesn't you know you know you can't really uh, you know, quantify it, but. But the feeling is you got to have it, you know, and, and I think Theo Epstein has said it best back in the Cubs. He's like, I used to dis- he used to dismiss it as not being that important. Now he realizes along the way that it's vital to a winning franchise for it to have longevity. Yeah, I mean, it just it's just vital. It's just such a long season, and you're right. There's so much negativity to ease. You can always get buried in it at any point if you allowed it to, to to over you know overcome you. You can get buried by by so much of the negativity that's out there, uh, but also you know work ethic and 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 you know guys feeding off each other on that front and and not letting uh anybody let down you know and that kind of thing look it's it's hugely important all right uh so much talk during this offseason obviously about the Yankees and uh the Red Sox sort of stayed under the radar until the the big Martinez signing JD Martinez uh toward the end but when you when we come out of this obviously the Red Sox uh edged the Yankees last year by a couple of games uh which turned out to be uh, completely non-factor in the playoffs mm-hmm. as the Yankees uh, went further because they they won the wild card game and then beat Cleveland. But when you look at these two teams now, you've seen the you've seen the Red Sox. We all know the Yankees adding Stanton and just having so much young talent. Where do, what do you make of this? What do you make well, of this race right now? First off, it's teams? nice to have have both of those teams 
be so competitive, you know, from a baseball's perspective, right? Yes. Overall, I mean, those they play each other so much, they're going to face off, you know, in a lot of the national games. So we're going to see a lot of them. But I think they're fascinating for this reason. Uh, you know, you have, you have uh, obviously the, the Yankees who have the they, they both have good young talent. They both have veteran type players that are impactful. I, I a lot of the conversation I had uh, in Florida with evaluators, scouts, front office guys, who's going to have the better year, Giancarlo Stanton or J.D. Martinez, because, you know, you look at how much money they spent, obviously, to, to acquire Stanton and what that's going to be and versus, you know, J.D., there's a lot of people, and I, I'm in that group, that I think J.D. is going to have the better season overall at the end of the year than Stanton. But, you know, we don't know. That's the fun part about the game, This you know, this these, uh, you know this at this time of the year is the Yankees and the Red Sox, for me, they're, they're going to be neck and neck the whole way. They're both deep. They have great rosters. Uh, you know, there's always question marks with teams, but the, the you're splitting hairs with both of them. And, you know, I, I had the Yankees with a slight nod, but it could go the Red Sox way too, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think they're two of the really good teams in the American League. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I take, and that's really interesting. I want you to to yeah. go a little deeper into the Martinez-Stanton uh, comparison because I, I, that is interesting. But here's here's what I think. Red Sox, you know, basically made news for three months by not doing anything, by not getting involved, by jumping out of the Hosmer race very early, by sort of going back and forth with Martinez. Finally, they signed J.D. Martinez. You're like, oh, they finally did something. And then you look at that roster and you realize, man, they didn't have to do anything. I I mean, it's so easy to forget how good that, I mean, that outfield bets, Bradley and Benintendi, I mean, that's insanely good. They're all young. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of a down year with Bradley last year. Benintendi was just a rookie. We don't, you know, you, you expect him to get better. Betts wasn't as good as he was in the MVP type year two years ago, but we know how great a player he is. And then, you, you know, you, you look at, at Devers and, and Bogarts and, and on and on, and you go, oh, well, you know what? I mean, they're they're really really good. I mean they they didn't need to make any big moves. They did get JD Martinez, uh, and then then obviously you look at the two lefties starting the rotation and all that. That that team is so in some ways they seem like a, a little bit of a secret weapon because they were so quiet that it's it's almost easy to forget that that team is absolutely loaded. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think the other thing, like you mentioned, okay, you, you know where you're getting out of sale price has been upbeat. You have to be upbeat with the health with him. And, sure. and Porcello you know, had, had such a struggle last year. You expect him to be better. Um, you know, we'll see with Pomerantz. You know, Pomerantz should be – you know, Pomerantz was having a, coming off of a, a good year. And he deals with That's health. That's what he does. Right? He, yeah. he deals with health issues along the way. But their their pitching is is certainly good enough, and now their offense is better. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating team. And I just wonder with, with J.D., you know, there, there's when anytime you change teams, I think you're going to see this with Stanton too. That at least there's you know the early potential struggles. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to uh, to try to uh, justify the contract or justify sure. a trade, uh, and you're in a whole new different you know different situation. I think you know JD is playing a little bit with an edge for, for the way this winter went for him, having to sit out there for such a long time. Um, so I'm kind of curious when you play, when you have a talented player that's motivated rather than yeah. hey I'm I'm just happy that I got this contract like I I expect JD to just have a monster. Yeah, I, that's a really really good point. And you, look, we have to we have to uh, 
uh, say, I mean, everybody loves Giancarlo Stanton. What's not to love about the guy? But you have to say he is going into the American League for the first time. Obviously, J.D. has been a lifelong American leaguer until the the little uh, the little brief time with Arizona where he just, you know, was on crazy Babe Ruth pace uh, with what he was doing. But, you know, the American League, you, you make a very strong argument, and there are lots of numbers that back this up, is is a, a superior league. It's a tougher league uh, at the moment. So that's a that's a step. Plus health with with Stanton, that's always the question. I mean, is is he going to stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? Obviously, they'll they'll DH him and and mix him in some some ways to try to to make sure that he does. But you know, that's why I've said all along. I've actually done it with the Gary Sanchez versus Stanton, who's going to have the better year, um, which is you know also very interesting. If Stanton's healthy and 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 motivated and makes the adjustment to the American League. I mean, he's going to – he'll have crazy numbers, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of people who think he's going to break 60 and all that. But those are big questions with him. There, there's no doubt. And, and you know, I think, you know, because he's had health issues in the past, hand, right? handling New York is a, is a challenge that uh, at least people around the team, you know, who cover the team uh, wonder about, you know, how is he going to handle it because, you know, there's – I think he's – you know, Ray has had some raised eyebrows about the attention already, and it's not even really started, Joe. Like, you know as well as I do. Like, you mentioned how positive things are around spring. That's the vibe that you get around the Yankees camp. Just wait for that first, you know, 0 for 12 series that happens, you know, or the, or the or he goes up to Boston and, you know, they, and, and you know, st- you know, everyone up there in Boston thinks that, you know, he's, you know, he's injured one of their close relatives, you know, and they're booing him every at bat and every pitch. I mean, that's the stuff that he never experienced with the Marlins, ever. He was not the bad guy. Now he's now he's going to be looked at as that. And, you know, that takes some getting used to. That, that, that There's an adjustment period there. And I think, by the way, he'll handle it well. It's just, it's just you know, when you're when you're booed like that. And I mean, Alex Rodriguez, you know, he was one of the best players in a game, and it took him a little while to figure it out, too. It's true. It's true. Look, no matter what it is, the first time he sees Flopton on the back of the New York Post or Daily News, right? You know, the the first the first really negative thing that he'll get on the back page, which is inevitable. Everybody gets it. Um, how's he going to respond to that? And I, I agree with you. I think there's every reason to believe he's going to respond really well to it, but it is something he's going to have to respond to. It's, it's just different. It's just different. And, and, uh, and he's sort of, it's been, it's been weird because he's been on a Marlins team that, that obviously we, we all know, you know, the, the, the crowds, they've not been a contender. They've sort of been, you know, in the, in the background and now he is, you know, front and center, uh, that he that could make him flourish too. I mean, he might love the spotlight and end up being, you know, even better and 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 take that sort of the way, you know, maybe like a Reggie Jackson like uh, thing. Um, but it'll be an adjustment, and and it'll be very interesting to see how he responds to yeah, that. Yeah, there's there's no there's no doubt, and, and you know, and, and, but you know, kind of go, conversely to go back to the original question, which was, oh, what do you think of those two teams and the Yankees? By the way, are good, you know, and I know you you feel the same, but they're stacked too. And oh, they're stacked, right? If there's any <laughs> concern about the rotation, and I'm maybe a little bit towards the back end of the rotation, you know, they have they have the super bullpen, you know, and their offense is ridiculously bullpen. good. And oh, by the way, their defense is fantastic. Like like there are hard there. Are, it's a it's a really hard team to find any weaknesses there either. 
It's so true. It's so true. That bullpen is sick. It's just sick. I mean, and and a bullpen, and it's eight deep. I mean, it's not like it's like it's you know three four guys. I mean, it's it just keeps going and going. So yeah, I have some questions about the rotation too, but I I almost don't know if they wonder. And then yet, and this leads to our next topic. Yet, as good as I think the Red Sox are, as good as I think uh, the Yankees are. Uh, as good as I think Cleveland is, I still think Cleveland has the best rotation in the American League. As good as I think Cleveland is, I think Houston's still better than all of them. And I I cannot you, you want to talk about a team I can't find a weakness yeah. for? I cannot find a weakness for that Houston team. No, I well, I can't either. I mean, unfortunately Guriel got injured and he's out yes. early on. But but you know, notwithstanding, they have the depth to kind of come through that. And oh, by the way, their system is is ridiculously oh. impact, right? So I think they're such a fun team. Adding Cole really helps. I, you know, I, the only thing I, I, I wonder is, as we as seen, have seen with World Series teams in the past, is you know that following year there's a little lag, there's a little bit of a let's say a downturn. Uh, you know, we call it hangover effect, whatever that is. You know, they they I found this to be interesting. Kind of again, traveling and talking to teams. So, so you're so concerned about them staying healthy the following year. Okay, we had a, we had you know Astros had a long, long uh, fall. Dodgers did too. So you fall, you circle around the next year and you're careful on how you use your pitchers. And but then they're not ready for the beginning of the season right. under normal circumstances, right? So, so it's a little different. You know, Cole can help mitigate that a little bit because he didn't go deep into the season last year. But, but there's just kind of naturally you don't get off to that good start you just try to you know if you can you know stay close stay around 500 you know you know if you remember what was it two years ago the astros they had a terrible start yes. in April, and it and it knocked them out of the postseason they didn't get that so so they made an emphasis last year and they they never really trailed so i'm curious what kind of season they got off to because the divisions come their division along with like the national league west i think those are those are really two tough divisions I agree. I agree. You know, it's funny. I spent uh, some good time with Theo Epstein and we talked about this exact thing. And he said, point blank, he said, first of all, he said, we thought we got ahead of it, you know, ahead of the whole World Series hangover thing. And uh, we look back, we didn't. We we failed. We absolutely failed to get ahead of it because no matter what you say, no matter what your sort of emotional uh, investment is, which obviously right now the Astros are saying, ah, oh, last year is last year, we're moving on. There's going to come a moment, probably mid-April, where they're going to be taking the field and it'll be like, oh, gosh, we got another 140 of these before we even get to the playoffs, you know? And, and, and you know, we just coming off of this year with so many emotional games, such an emotional ending, the parade, the World Series, joy, everybody's, you know, everybody's a hero, everybody's writing books, everybody's talking, <laughs> you know, and now suddenly you're just playing, you know, the Rangers on a Thursday and you've got to get up for that game. And so it is an emotional adjustment. I don't think there's any question they'll go through it. Some, they're just so talented. They're just, you know, and and look, they're going to play hard. I mean, they, you, you talk about having your best players being your best character guys. I mean, who could be a better character guy than Altuve, right? I mean, that's yeah. just the energy he brings to the game every single day and Correa and Bregman and Springer. I mean, they're just so good. I, I They're the team. I mean, I, you know, when you look at it, adding Cole, 
like completely solidified that rotation that that the rotation was plenty good already uh their lineup one through nine especially when Guriel's healthy is crazy good everybody hits uh their their bullpen is is excellent they play great defense they're the team that if if they're Nobody can ever get motivated enough to do this anymore, you know, for a whole year, I don't think. And, and and you know, there's so many other good teams, but they're like a 110 win kind of team. I mean, as far as as yeah. far as the talent there, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're you're right on there, you know, and, and it's a very similar to, well, I mean, almost Cleveland. We you know when we saw Cleveland coming yes. off of the World Series. You know, they got to that game seven. The next year, they maintained that. You know, obviously the high level of play and you know, sure did. fell short. But but they had the energy, you know, and the character to to continue what they what they had done the year before. And I think that there's a lot of similarities there. It, the fascinating thing you kind of mentioned something that clicked in my mind. Altuve is one of those guys in Springer. They have so many of them in Bregman that if one guy wants to take a day or two off mentally or without the energy, those other guys kind of pick him up. And, yeah. and, you know, and, 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 but again, best character guys, you know, best player, right. There's, there's three really good ones and they're great character guys, all of them. So, yeah, I think if there's a team that can maybe, you know, get off to that you know, good start again, or not maybe go through the hangover effect, it probably is Houston. Yeah. If it feels that way to me, it feels that way. I, I want to talk uh, Dodgers in a minute here because there's a team that, that uh, went through it you know, had the incredible year, get to game seven, they lose. So they're going into this year with a, a different motivation, which is kind of fun to talk about. But you mentioned the American League West, so we should talk about this. Is that Angels thing going to work? I mean, that's really, to me, the big question. They went out, they got uh, a bunch of uh, veterans that that can, you know, that have been really, really good in the past. You don't know how much, uh, you know, a Zach Co- a Cozart has or 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 whatever. Uh, and obviously they bring in Otani, which is which is such a huge thing. Is that going to work? <laughs> that's a great, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I think it will. I, you know, it's funny when you look at, you know, the way things work from, let's say, the year before. I kind of base it off of right, well, what, what, what did they look like? How did they get to where they were last year? Um, and then, you know, can – what you know? What does that look like in terms of health this coming season? And what do they add this winter? So, so the additions, the areas that they had struggles on the offensive side were left field and second base. Now they have those plugged in for the full season. Looks like with Upton and Kinsler, um, yeah, right. They 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 add Cozart, which is I think a huge upgrade defensively. They maintain their their probably the best overall defensive team in the American League. How good they are, um, and they added. You know, I think Otani, if he gives you nothing offensively, he's going to be one of the top pitchers in the American League. So, so you know, to a, to a roster that had struggles, the, the, the rotation did, with health, but if they can keep Richards healthy, they they plugged it together pretty well, you know, with, with kind of different starters, you know, uh, guys who dealt with health injuries, but they came back and gave you parts of seasons. If they just get one guy in addition to Otani to give them a full season of let's say twenty six, twenty seven starts uh, or more, um, I, I really like their their rotation. And the fact, you know, and they they pieced it together somehow with the bullpen last year too. So I, I think it can work. I think it will work. Uh, it's a little different way to go about it, but they, they've been, you know, they were so I thought a little bit of a surprise team just dealing with the injuries that that they had last year with Richards going down in particular. I, I think it can work. You did you make it to camp there? Uh, I did. I just glanced at them. I didn't really get a chance to sort of uh, explore. I got to see him play uh, in a game, but I didn't really get to to talk to a lot of people there. But 
that was sort of my my you know gut feeling was you know watching him look a lot of things need to happen right they need kinsler to to you know maintain and and be good cosart has to you know play a new position and I, I mean it does feel like when you have two amazing defensive shortstops on the left side of your infield that no, nothing's getting through right. there between simmons and cosart right mm-hmm. uh you got opt-in and 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 you know obviously we know how good he can be uh and trout i mean you know they have a healthy year from trout 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 would have been MVP last year, probably, if he stays healthy. So, uh, you know, it's it's it feels like it can work, uh, but then th- there's a part of me, and you know this too, and you've you've gone through this from 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 a perspective when you make so many changes and and try to bring in so many veterans and try to make it work, and and you know the rotation, as you said, is is a little bit piecemealed. I don't know. I mean, it just feels like sometimes those things don't work out. Like they they look good on paper and they don't work out. Right. You know, when you, when you see them play, uh, I don't know that's going to happen to them. Like I said, there's there's every reason for me to believe, especially if they if they can just keep. I, I don't know that I love trying to put pools at first base and make try to make that work mm-hmm. so they can hit Otani. I mean, all of that feels a little bit a little bit off to me, but. It feels to me like Kinsler should have enough left and Kozart should be a fascinating third baseman and Upton's going to give him power and Otani's going to pitch really well and that team's going to be really, really good. That feels to me like that could and should happen. But I, I don't know. There's just something about those teams that that really changed during the offseason that it, it often right, doesn't right. work. Yeah, I mean, we you're right. We have seen that. And I think you, you know, a good, good thing is Upton was there at least for half the season, you know, and yes. I think that kind of mitigates yes. it a little bit. But you're right. I mean, there's two new infielders. Uh, there, there is an adjustment there. Pujols at first, going to be fascinating to see if that can happen, if that, if how that's going to work. I'm not yeah. convinced like you are. I'm not convinced uh, that that's going to work on the defensive side. And, and you know, I don't know. It seemed like Mike Sosha was talking more about having Otani, you know, I don't. I don't know if he was committed to giving the the number of at bats that maybe it took to sign him up. Uh, that, that's that's going to be a wait and see, or, or let's watch. Let's watch how that works. Um, you know how many at bats? Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, there's an. He's had about two hundred and you know two hundred ninety three hundred uh, at bats. You know, in that role, you know, in Japan, can he get to that number? It seems like it's a little bit high the way Mike Sosha was talking. Yeah, it does feel it feels it feels to me like that's going to be something just going to play around with. But I don't I don't see them being fully committed. Speaking of teams that went out and got a little bit of uh, a little bit of veteran help, uh, the Mariners, uh, of course, get D Gordon to play center field and just signed Ishiro, who seems like they they intend to give Ishiro like quite a few at bats, which is which is fascinating. Uh, Mariners have tried this before the last couple of years. Can that work in in I mean how all right well two questions one how important is it that Felix Hernandez stays healthy and is is a successful pitcher I mean it feels to me like like everything on the whole team sort of is hinging on that and two you know the fact that they've continuously tried to bring in uh some new blood they you know really kind of changed things up last year changing up again a little bit this year uh are they are they headed in the right track? Is that Mariners team going to be a contender this year? Well, that's a, it's a great question. You know, I'm going to be there next week, and I think that's the one thing uh, that I that I want to get a feeling on because you know each of the last two uh, springs when I've gone in there, I've really bought into how good how much better the team is. Right, they're athletic. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, Jerry Depoto is I think really good. He's aggressive. 
Uh, and it hasn't worked. It has, you know, yes. I mean, and they would say too, just from a disappointment side, and they're they're kind of like the next exhibit for me of of the injuries and how they pieced it together. It set what seventeen different starters, something like that, last year, right? And in a in a record Crazy. number of uh, pitchers overall, uh, you know, can they limit that uh, to you know to you know whatever to eight, ten or twelve starters like a normal you know uh, team has average you know what the average is over the course of the season can they stay healthy can King Felix as you mentioned you know pitch healthy I don't know if he needs to give you the you know two hundred and twenty innings anymore capable of that right but right but right. I think that you know somebody there Paxton maybe can step up if he can give you close to that number um you know we know it's going to be at a high level I just weren't like, like you targeted well, like my concern too it's you know where where is that rotation is it is it deep enough I like their position players I like the depth there I think they now hopefully have addressed the first base issue um with Healy there but you know I know he's been dealing with a little bit of a hand issue there he had hand surgery but um, you know, I, I, I don't. I think there's going to be enough offense there. I think they have more speed. They're going to steal bases with Gordon there. I just don't know about their rotation, and it's so so darn competitive in that West. Well, it's crazy because you look at last year, and you're 100 percent right. Look, their their top innings guy was Ariel Miranda, who did not have a good year, uh, but he got 160 innings. I mean, they you know Paxton looked really, really good and promising, and and all that, but he only got 136 innings out of there, fewer than 100 innings from from Felix. Uh, yeah, I mean that's gotta that's gotta change. I mean they've just got to get more innings, and you know Mike Lee could help a lot. I mean that's that's a guy that that uh, that has shown the ability to uh, to give you quality innings and all that. But uh, yeah, I look, I I love uh, the aggressiveness of Jerry Depoto. I think the guy's really good, and and I've, I've I'm totally with you. I went in last year thinking this is going to work. You know, they they did get better offensively and they did get more athletic and this is going to work. And and, you know, maybe it kind of did. It really was. I didn't think their their, you know, their pitching was going to have nobody could have seen the injuries, but I I didn't think their pitching was going to struggle the way it did. Uh, But now, you know, I don't know. I, I just that's. It's interesting, but then, but that whole division is interesting, and there, there, that is all five teams, even Oakland, who I don't think is going to contend, but they're interesting. That that is a yeah. like I think the Central right now, the American League Central, is not that interesting because I think you have really three teams that are that are. I mean, like, I think the White Sox have some some very good young talent. The Royals will probably, you know, the Dayton Moore looks like he's piecing together a team that's gonna that's gonna try to get right around five hundred and maybe make a run. Uh, Detroit, like you said, I think is in complete rebuild. Uh, but the West is super interesting. I think. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's fascinating too. You go back to last year. There's only two divisions of the six who, who didn't have a ninety loss team. Yeah, American League East and the American League West. You know, and, and I think Oakland is going to be better. They're they're a sleeper team because they have such uh, depth and they have good young starting pitching. Uh, I think you can see them getting better. Uh, you know, Texas. You just never really know. I feel like they're they're one of those teams that that is getting a little older. Their young players are going to have to step up a little bit more like Odor and Gallo, that, that group. Uh, but the Angels are better. Um, you know, Mariners, I think if they can stay healthy, they're going to be better. Astros, as we know, are going to be good. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the fa- that's a fascinating division. And, you know, you put together that kind of your our one to five. Uh, I haven't done that yet because I usually wait till I get to all the camps. It's To me, it's really going to be uh, interesting how I – how it ends up shaking out because I could see the Mariners being a third place team, 
or even a second place team. I, I think Houston clearly is the best team, but then after that, two through two through five is, is kind of a mix for me. I agree. I think you can throw it into a into a bubble, and you know they have those little ping pong balls because I mean at this point. It feels like the Angels should be the best of the of the bunch, but not necessarily. I I, I think they're fascinating. All right, two more topics before I let you go. Uh, mentioned already the Dodgers. That team to me is, if you're you know if you're not a Dodgers fan, that team seems super scary to me uh, because obviously they had the best record in baseball last year. They're completely loaded at every position. They were not super right. active. Uh, during the offseason just because they're so good. And, and you know, when I was talking to 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 management there, they were explaining to me, and I think they're right. They're like, well, look, we didn't want to bring guys in that are not better than what we have, right? That we, we don't want to – we you know, we have guys in, in our rotation that are like six, seven, uh, you know, and, and fighting for that fifth spot that we want to give a chance to. And, and we didn't want to just bring people in, you know, to, to try to, to try to, you know, mess that up. So I thought, I think they're really, really good. And coming off of that seven game seven loss and, and heartbreaking, you know, world series defeat, they seem to me to be the team that it goes into this year, most motivated, most talent. They seem to me like the, like the team to beat. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, you know, it's, you know, it, it, there's some question marks in Arizona and Colorado is definitely better, but there's certainly question marks there. You know, uh, San Francisco will wait and see. I think, uh, you know, San Diego, you know, is going to be tough. They, they they were tough last year for over 100 games. They're right around 500. So, so there's, you know, this it's a difficult division. Don't get me wrong, but I think they're they're clearly the best team the Dodgers are. And I, you know, for them, uh, you know, I see I see them lo- uh, looking at this as twofold, right? There's that, you know, all right, get, do we have enough to get to the postseason? The answer is yes. All right, how do we, as we get through the season and into July, what is it that we need to get to get over the top like they added Darvish last year? What is it that they need to do to get better this year? That's what you're going to see with the Dodgers again. Um, you know, they're adding, a you know, Walker Bueller as a guy that, that is going to, I think, help, help them at some point significantly in the rotation or in, in the bullpen, um, you know, and, and just kind of go that route. I think they have plenty of, of uh, rotation depth or bullpen stack. Like You're right. This is a, it's a super team. And I understand why they didn't do it. Um, it's fascinating because you, you hardly ever see that with teams, right? Even the Yankees, as good as they were, Astros, as good as they were, they added pieces. You didn't really see that with the Dodgers, you know, and that's that to me would be fascinating. That f- the front office is really smart. They do a good job of evaluating, and and you know, I don't disagree with them. I think I think what they've done is pretty remarkable. And by the way, they get below the luxury tax, which was almost impossible. It seems. I know. I know. I mean, that they're going to be reset for next year. That makes them scary in free agency, also. Uh, but you know, look, their his point, their point is, and they're one hundred percent right. Jack Peterson, you know, came back from from his sort of uh, you know minor league uh, assignment and 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 the issue, and obviously had the incredible postseason. Would have been the World Series MVP had they won, probably. Uh, you know, was looking great. There's no place for him on the roster right now for Jack Peterson. So so I think they looked at that and 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 definitely felt like uh, you know, hey, there's there's no. There's no point to add just to add, which I think is is a real is a real um, you know it's a temptation obviously when when you're when you're trying to get better. I I mean, what do you think about you know the motivation? I mean, we've seen in the last couple of years it's been really interesting to me. Obviously, Kansas City comes off of their seven game seven loss to San Francisco, 
and then they blow through baseball next year, right? They they come out with the best record in the league. Uh, you know, they had the the very, very tough series with Houston, but after that really rolled all the way through the World Series. Cleveland comes off of a very hard Game 7 loss, and while they did lose to the Yankees in the postseason, they also had, what, the 21-game, 22-game winning streak or whatever it was and 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 played out of their minds all year. That motivation, do you – I mean, do you buy it? Do you buy that motivation like from a loss like that can really carry you through a whole year? Well, I think I, – I, I, well, normally – um, you know, you you really play off of your best player again, and and hearing Kershaw talk about it, you know, and some of the other guys, you know, having you know going back to our original conversation, your best player is also your hardest worker. Yeah, to me, you know, they're set up to do it that way, and I think they've done a good job of clearing out. You know, Adrian Gonzalez towards the end of the season didn't fit right, and then right. Puig, Puig at what points. You know, it was a little bit of an issue, and he's kind of cleaned things up. And Peterson, when he didn't get do it the way they wanted to, they sent him down to the minor leagues to make sure he get figured things out. Like they, 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 they're good at pretty good at sending messages. That here's here's our our goal. Here's what we're uh, gonna accomplish. And if you're gonna if you're not a part of that, then we're we're gonna we're gonna make a change. We're gonna send you out, or we're gonna we're gonna get rid of you. So I do think that um, that there's there's still plenty of motivation there. Uh, with you know the, the the majority of that group, and it's a fun team to watch. You know, I think you agree with me on that too. It's it's uh, you know it's it's uh, it's fascinating to me to watch the Dodgers play in that division, but just be good year in and year out is how consistently they've done it. So I, I you know again we don't know how the, they got that monkey off their back getting out of that first round, you know, and moving moving on moving moving past the Mets to get to the World Series. Now it's just one more step. It's it's hard to get to that. It's hard to it's hard to be okay. World Series are bust, but I think that's one team that can handle the expectation. Yeah, and I think that's where they are. You know, you know what else makes them fun? I mean, you must love this as sort of a front office guy. Is the way that their players are so maneuverable, right? I mean, like you know, Chris Taylor is their starting center fielder and their backup shortstop, and Austin Barnes is their starting catcher, but he can also play second or third or wherever you. I mean, I I don't know. There's just it, it's. I don't know if that makes them better or, or it's just fun. I just, I love that they are so uh, adaptable. I mean, they've just got really, really adaptable players. Great athletes. Great athletes and, and versatility, depth, um, roster, uh, the, the ability to adapt their roster that, you know, some of those things that, that um, they've done a great job of over the years and just plugging guys in and figuring out a guy like Chris Taylor and watching him grow yes. and Brandon Morrow last year. Like, like I, I'm looking for who, who's going to be the guy this year that they figure it out with. You know, that to me is a lot of fun. They're fun. They're really fun. All right. Last thing. So we've, I think we've gone through pretty much the, the contenders. We didn't talk too much about Cleveland, but we feel like they'll probably run away with that division, even though Minnesota is very good. Uh, Washington. That. I, I have to say that that they're sort of my the team that I'm sort of watching with a little more uh, – I'm watching them really, really closely because unlike all these other teams, Boston, New York, Houston, the Dodgers, that feels like Cubs. All of those feel like they're, they're we're going to be having these conversations next year and the year after that the year after that. Not with Washington. That Washington team, this is sort of – winter bust year in a lot of ways for that team. I mean, we, we all know what the future looks like for Bryce Harper. That's going to, you know, we know where that's going. Daniel Murphy's another guy. We kind of know where that's going. 
you know, some of those, some of the players on that team like Zimmerman and, and, and so on are, are, uh, you know, getting a little bit older. That team feels like they need to go for it completely and totally, don't they? I think that they are too, Joe. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, you know, and I think that's what you're finding and, you know, their owner, uh, you know, it's kind of shown that he's willing to do that financially. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. I still think they have the ability to introduce some young talent, you know, to be good or, or to go out and be aggressive on the free agent market next year. And Mike Rizzo is one of the best GMs out there. They've had that kind of, sure. but you're right. You know, the window for them kind of is now is, uh, you know, and, and certainly you want to do it while Harper's here in uniform. You don't know what's going to happen with his situation at the end of the year. And there's going to be plenty of interest there. So has he priced himself out of being in Washington? We'll wait and see on that. But, yeah, I think, you know, Scherzer's not getting any younger, as we know. And Russell's right. had the health issues. And Gio's going to be a free agent. They have, they have a lot of potential free agency here this year. Um, so, yeah, this is this is the time, you know. And, and you know, tell you, they're going to coast through the, the, the division and coast through the, right. the, the, uh, the regular season. It really is going to de- depend on, um, you know, getting that monkey off the, you know, that first round loss that they have gone through the last couple of seasons, getting through that first round. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy changing, man- you know, they've changed managers now. It's the third time, um, you know, and there's a lot of pressure on Dave Martinez. You know, I think, I think it's going to be fascinating as you go into this, uh, wintertime, I, I cannot remember. Uh, maybe Bob Brenly, first-time yeah, manager, yeah. winning a World Series. Like it just doesn't happen very often. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. I look. I and, and, and nothing against Dave Martinez, who I think is a great baseball guy and a terrific hire. I really thought they should have stayed with Dusty. I just felt like. You know, this is the this team is it is sort of win or bust in some ways. And, and you're right. Look, they've got some some Rendon and Turner, and they've got Robles. I mean, they've got some really really good young players. And I'm not saying that team is going to disappear from the planet, but but I am saying that that clearly this is a huge year. You know, they they responded to Dusty. And the, the 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 loss to the Cubs was so weird and fluky. That game five was insane and all that, but. Regardless, they did not stick with Dusty. So, so you have a, a a new rookie manager. Don't you think this is a team that still has one more? I mean, and, and maybe more than one more once the season begins. But one more big move in them. I mean, th- this feels like where Jake Arrieta has to end up to me. When I'm looking at it, right, it just feels like this is the uh, team that's looking out there, going, "All right, we we got to we got to make that happen." I mean, I, I would not be surprised if that's where it goes. We we know how many Scott Boris clients are there. Right. Um, it certainly feels like it. You don't you just don't know for right. sure, but their willingness to to do that and to win, as you mentioned, um, yeah, it does. You know, and it, and it really makes it really makes sense knowing that Geo uh, is going to be a free agent. You get a, you got the, that replacement for him at the end of this year, but you fill in that that fifth spot too. So. Uh, yeah, stay tuned because you hear them a lot with um, with Arietta. I hear the Phillies too, uh, which would be fascinating between the two of them. But if I'm Arietta, I mean, you've got that. You know, if, if there are if there is a choice, um, even if the money is equal, I think you you really have to lean towards Washington just the way the team looks. Well, it just feels like that team. Like I said, at least one, and probably once the season begins. Uh, you know, knowing knowing Rizzo and and the way he does things, and and 
they're going to make a big move at some point. You know, they seem to have that closer thing wrapped up, which is nice. That's the first time that's happened to them uh, in a couple of years where they didn't have to worry too much about that front. Uh, Offensively, they seem pretty well loaded and set everywhere. I mean, Adam Eaton coming back is certainly going to help the defense in that outfield as well. They feel to me like they're in pretty good position, but – but because of the intense pressure, I think of of this year, uh, yeah, I, it feels to me like they're they're gonna they're gonna make a big splash at some point. And Arietta just is the guy out there. He's just I. Are you shocked? Are you shocked? I mean, I mean, you, we've all been talking about how surprised we've been all off season. Uh, you know, that it took so long for some guys and whatever. And there's some still pretty big names that are out there. But Arietta in particular, are you surprised that he's still out there? Well, yeah, of the free agents out there for sure. He, he's the one that really stands out uh, because, you know, the guy's pitched well in the postseason. He's got a great yeah. track record, you know, but, the, the you know, the the length of the deals, we I've talked to so many guys out there, the length of the deals really surprises uh, is, is where the teams are drawing the line. And, you know, he, he's looking for a number that was, you know, similar to Arietta in years, looking for more, on the AEV, and, and it's it's hard for me to see that at this point in the of the of the winter him getting that, and that to me is going to be fascinating. Can he get to that number? I, you know, Scott Boris is a is a miracle worker sometimes when it comes <laughs> to pulling out deals that you don't expect. This one still it seems like an uphill battle to me. Yeah, it feels that way. It does feel like it's going to be tough for him to match Darvish or 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 anything, but. We'll see. We shall see. Well, Jim, this has been fantastic. Yeah, enjoy it, Joe. This is great. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can do this again after uh, after the season starts. And, and by then, we'll be back to being negative, and we can start saying, oh, yeah, yeah these guys are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the weather <laughs> will wear off. The positivity will wear off. We'll go back to our just miserable selves. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Jim. All right, Joe. Enjoy. Say, Joe. What is it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so awful, isn't it, to start these things that way? Joe, uh, we want to tell you, I guess, now see, I can't do this because I can't, I'm not telling you about it. I shouldn't be directing this to you. I should be directing it to the listeners, right? Well, but, but don't you feel that, that I'm I'm representing the listeners? You're in standing this, in, is, in that this meton- is that metonymy or synecdoche? I, can't, I can never remember. I, I think it's metonymy, right? I am standing in for, for the listener here. So we're going to say you are metonomically the listeners at home. So when I say I want to tell you about a podcast, The listener, yeah. You're the listener. Okay, let's start over. Here we go. Ready? Hey, Joe. Oh, yes, Mike? <laughs> Did I get you by surprise? <laughs> you, you, I feel you like you did. knew I was about to talk to you. All right. Anyway, look, I want to tell you about a new podcast called Executive Access. Huh. It's hosted by MLB.com reporter Mark Feinsand, who provides a unique look at the people building major league teams by engaging in candid interviews with front office personnel from around MLB, like Derek Jeter and Alex Anthopoulos. Each week, you'll find out how they broke into the game, why they do what they do, and how they envision the future of baseball. Look out for new episodes on Mondays. Download and subscribe by searching for Executive Access on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That was well done. That was well done. I thought that was good. I thought that was a very professional read. Who would you rather talk to about um, baseball front officing, Derek Jeter or Alex Anthopoulos? (laughs) Boy, that's not close. That's not close. By the way, 
Uh, I, the, the, I, I get, I mean, Mark is wonderful and, and the podcast undoubtedly is really good. Um, how they broke into the game? Well, Derek Jeter, huh? That's an interesting guy. Let's find out what, <laughs> how did he break into the game? Let's yeah, find out. That? We've never heard that story before. <laughs> Let's get into that. I wonder, did he, did he, you think he went to like an Ivy League school? You think that's how it started for him? My guess is he was, he was like, he was in college. Right. He was planning on going to grad school in, uh, in sociology. Sure. And then one day just stumbled onto a pickup baseball game and just started playing. He never played before. And he served, and people were like, Hey, you're pretty good. You know, you should try out for the Yankees. And then one thing led to another. And then he is the greatest shortstop of all time. <laughs> and, a front office personnel, which is a really what this is That's about. Right. So, so interesting. <laughs> Such an interesting story. Okay. So that was my uh, interview with Jim Duquette. Lots of baseball, uh, cool baseball talk. Maybe you'll listen to that. Will you listen to that, Mike, later? Maybe? I, I think that I um, despise the sound of my own voice so much that it will be hard for me to press play on any recording that I've ever made. So yeah. if I, I will. If I figure out how to only listen to that part, I think I'll listen to it. Did you, speaking of your own voice or your own video, did you uh, catch the the video that people were sending around about the one guy at the uh, NFL Combines that looked like he was running like Moe Schrute? Did you did you see that video? I know I, I did not know. <laughs> there, I, it was it was a it was it was what the kids call a meme, I guess. All right. Uh, they showed that guy running and then they showed Moe Schrute running uh, and it was uh, it was really quite similar actually their <laughs> style of running uh so i don't know what that means but but uh, i'm surprised you haven't seen that so uh all right well we we know that we always play one last meaningless thing even though we have no idea do, do you have an idea for what we should end this thing with this week uh i don't uh how about um why don't we just do a what why don't we do a one pick draft favorite um kitchen utensil oh love it love it favorite kitchen utensil uh, let's play one last meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast It's one last one. All right. Favorite kitchen utensil. You got the first pick. Uh, I'm going to pick the apple corer. Oh, just love yeah. that. It's a great kitchen utensil. It's a, it's a really solve the problem. It's a per, if you core an apple <laughs> properly with that thing and you get those neat eight exact slices and the, and the entirety of the core is like removed and you've removed all basically it separates all of the edible yummy apple flesh from the inedible disgusting core in like one swift move. It's an incredibly it's, great device. It's so cool. It's so good. Now what, now what will you do with the apple once you've, once you've done it? You are not, cause I believe we've had this conversation. You're not an apple and peanut butter guy, right? You will not just. No, I am. I, I like apple and peanut okay. butter. I'm, these okay. days, mostly what I'm doing is giving those apple slices to my kids, but um but uh, right. I mean, it's hard. It also makes it, the apple looks more appealing when you cut it. And when you get those e- exactly equal slices, it's just like mm, it just looks so good. I I agree. I look. I I'm a big. I have become a big apple peanut butter guy. I think that's just that snack. is a delicious combination. It is a great snack. Great snack. Uh, All right, my uh, kitchen utensil. Um, 
having thought about this for four seconds. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with the mixer. I like the mixer. I I sure. I, do, I don't even, I don't even know really. I mean, I use it like to. I like the fact that you can do like the like you do the slow mixing thing like at the beginning and then the whippy thing like later once <laughs> once you've gotten once you've gotten the ingredients sort of together then you do that really quick whippy thing. I love that. I love that. So great, love great choice. Mixers. Look, we really we nailed this. <laughs> It's a tie. It's a tie. See, and you know what would have happened if if Mallory Rubin had been there, she would have been like, you would have said, all right, we're all taking one thing. And then she would have changed the rules somehow so that it was like mixer. The only basically you're taking something you would need on a desert island and 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 for survival. And what are you going to do with an apple core on, you know, on a desert island? And you'd be what would you say? You'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I lose. Right. She would have taken like the serrated bread knife and it would have been the perfect thing. And then we would have been felt bad about ourselves. (laughs) She's that good. Well, what do you go? Mike, well, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.